Skeleton War now! Spook <laughs> the fuckboys! It's August 11th, 2021. This is Rare Encounter, Encounter number 57. And stroking the big American cats, I'm Abel Kirby. And beating the heat, not my meat, I'm cold acid. Woohoo! And it's time for another Rare Encounter with another beer. Ooh, <laughs> nice. Yeah. Just a beer? Just a regular old youngling. But this one says Team RWB on the side. Yeah. I'm not sure. Well, what I got here, what I got here, I'm cracking open now. Mm. This is, of course, a cider because, well, it's me. Yeah. But it's a cider with honey in it. Ah, one of those sweet ciders. And even has a picture of a beer on the logo. Mmm. So wait a minute. Wait, hold on. Wait a minute. It has a picture of a beer? A bee. A bee. Oh, I misunderstood you. Buzz. Buzz. Bee. Like Honey Nut Cheerios. Buzz. Yeah, yeah. With uh, the bee with, what's it Except called? with more alcohol and less cereal. I don't know. He could have been pretty loaded. The, he, he did he, look that way a lot of times, didn't he, he? He always had, what's it called? The honey dipper? That's that weird looking probe. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? It's like the wooden utensil that's a bunch of parallel discs that you use to dip in the honey and then uh, spread it all over stuff. The honey dipper. Dr drip it all over stuff. Yeah, the dripper. You, you still use a knife to spread it once you've got it on whatever. <laughs> it reminds me of there is an old... This this one goes uh, a while back, but there was a, an old little uh, poem there where this says, I eat my peas with honey. Have you ever heard that one? No, I haven't. No, it's about eating your peas with honey. It says, I eat my peas with honey. I've done it all my life. It makes the peas taste funny, but it keeps them on the knife. Uh, yeah, that's a bad one. <laughs> it's bad. Yeah, I know. I'll give myself one of those to you. Oh, man. Wow, we got a bunch to talk about this week. I filled up. Yeah, I, I've got like I've got like ten topics listed here, including yours. Why don't you uh, lead us in then? Awesome. Okay. So, you ever wonder what would happen if you had stuck your head in the <laughs> LHC while it was operating? In the LHC while it was operating. Um. Well, I've never wondered that per se. Uh. No. What would happen? Would I die? Would I explode? Would I? Would it end up like half? Not necessarily. I think I no. would have some DNA damage okay. at minimum. Okay, so back in what was it, the seventies? I think there was such an incident. Yeah, in in the seventies, there was a Soviet science. Uh, I think he was working on his doctorate at the time, so uh -huh. he was still a student, not not like a full fledged scientist, I guess you could say. Which explains his dumb Who, behavior. Yeah. <laughs> so he was checking he was checking in a malfunction on what was at the time the largest particle accelerator in the Soviet Union when a safety mechanism failed and he got shot through the head with a beam of protons. Hmm. Okay. You so, ever heard of Phineas Gage? Phineas Gage. By the way. Is that like Finnegan's Wake? Fin no, Phineas Gage was this guy who in the 1800s, uh, got a tamping rod blown through his head uh -huh. and survived. Okay. So this this scientist he also he also survived despite uh, 
despite how much radiation went passing through mm -hmm. his head, including part of his brain. And uh, so, okay, according to this article, he experienced a beam of 76 billion electron volts. Okay, so that's pretty high. It's not giga. That's pretty high. It's yeah. giga electron volts, so, you know, it's up there. Yeah. Yep. And, yeah, he he survived. He They thought he was going to die, but he he didn't. He saw he saw crazy flashes of light, I believe is what he claimed. Yep. Yeah, intense flash of light. No pain, though. No pain. Uh, his face all swollen. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, like I said, they thought he was going to die, but it turned out he didn't. He's still alive today, in fact. Retired. But the Russian government won't pay for his... Well, he he got... He started having seizures later on because of this, right? And yeah. The Russian government will not pay for his epilepsy meds. Yeah, it's kind of shitty. Yeah. It's, um... Was... What was the actual thing that was hurting him, though? Was it the protons that were, that were blasting him? Or was it when the protons hit something, they turn into x-rays? Or they emit a bunch of x-rays? Do, do, do you have any insight? I'm not what sure. That is? The, the article that I found doesn't really go into the like the actual chemical or medical reactions in this case. Mm. It, it's really written for for people who aren't scientific. Uh, yeah, as most of these articles are. I'm always yeah. depressed about that. Yeah, it, it sucks that that's the case because I mean. We're we're nerds. We want to know this <laughs> yeah. shit, right? Yeah. It. Well, there's a Wikipedia article on the guy. Cool. Let's well, so that into so this accelerator. He was inside it, and a safety mechanism failed. But was it the kind of accelerator that they have, where they have superconducting magnets that guide the beam? I'm not sure. I don't know the details to the U70. Because he would have had to be in there when all those superconducting magnets were on if he if he got blasted in the head. Otherwise, the beam would never have gotten focused. Which sounds like a bad idea to begin with. Uh, I mean, that kind of bothers me a lot when you get too close to a giant magnetic field. I always wonder if something bad's going to happen to you from that. You can imagine, like, um, going into an MRI. Someone had a, a friend of mine had an MRI... Uh, they had to go in and, and, and get something for, I think it was a broken leg or something like that. But anyway, I said, oh, yeah, you know, I told her, uh, if you want to really give them a, play a good prank on the doctors, you should put a paper clip under your tongue when you go in there. <laughs> she didn't, obviously. She's, she it is of, a pro, proton synchrotron. Synco. U70. It is, still, it is still the most powerful particle accelerator in the former Soviet Union. Okay. I'm looking at a picture of synchrotrons, but I don't see, what was it called? The U-70? Now I want to see a photo of this yes. baby. So it's the U-2. I'm sorry, what was it? U-something? U-70. 70, yeah, synchrotron, not U-2. Oh, uh, there yeah, we go. That's a band. Yeah. Or, a, or a spy plane. Wow, look at that control room. That is something. It's got like, I'm on the Wikipedia page, and this guy is totally Dr. Light. Speaking of Mega Man... <laughs> look at him! I mean, look at him! I posted the picture in the chat. Yeah, you know, you know what it makes me think of the 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 picture makes me think of like a cross between Black Mesa and Aperture. It makes me think of a staged photo because 
if you go into American control rooms, I'm pretty sure what you find is there's usually a mini fridge nearby. Someone's got a bag of chips out, that kind of thing. And then when the photographer comes out, everyone has, you have to sweep the floor. You have to clean like underneath these chairs, the tile floor they have, uh, unless you go in and regularly clean and rewax it, um, it gets really gummed up and the floor looks clean, uh, which means they did probably more maintenance than most American control rooms do. And so I'm like, oh, this looks like they staged it for the photo, you know, for the public release. But that's my my take on it anyway. And Would Cotton, not be at all surprised. Cotton Gin uh, in the chat apparently agrees with me. He knows exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> it is in fact, it is in fact from a a uh, archive, R. A. Novosti archive, the Russian International News Agency. So yeah, yeah, you bet, you bet your ass that they that they staged that. Yeah, everyone got their haircut for the year right before the shot, you know, and uh, pretty and much, yeah, prim and proper. I mean, his mouse isn't even on the mouse pad. Come on, <laughs> no, it's on the mouse pad. Uh, he's at the edge, and that's a ball mouse too, you know. It is a ball mouse. Yeah, that's uh, just I'm, to give you an, an idea. How old all this stuff is. Yep. R-I-A-N. I guess, yeah, Russian International something news. You just said it. I'm so Archive. Yeah. Oh, man. It's cool stuff. Yeah. I, like, I love me some particle accelerators. Well, we had some sad news. A uh, story we covered last week uh, was River Dave. And uh, in the intervening seven days since the last rare encounter, uh, looks like his cabin's burned down. Yeah. I sent you that story as soon as I heard it. This was a really low point in my week. Because I liked River Dave. Uh, just reading his story, I was into this guy, you know, the, his idea of he's just going to live off in the middle of nowhere. No one's going to tell him what to do. And uh, I think he had some recourse for keeping his cabin and fending off the vultures trying to disturb River Dave. You know, maybe they can go out to some other. They can walk around outside and turn over rocks and disturb what's underneath, you know. But leave, leave River Dave alone. But, uh, well, while he was out, someone or something, uh, set fire to his cabin. And I put the, I saw the article right after it broke, which is from boston.com. Do you know if there's any update on that? Not to my knowledge. Yeah. As far as I, I know, haven't seen anything else. Yeah. I don't yeah. Th I'm thinking, yeah, I'm thinking it's, it is probably arson. Yeah. River Dave doesn't think he can go back to being a hermit. Oh, there he is. He's no? got new. I got some new pictures of him. I'm on Boston. Oh, oh, again. Throw it in the uh, throw it in the chat. Yeah, I gotta check this out. Here's some stuff. Uh, new article from just this morning. There's River Dave sitting in a new uh, a new cyan shirt and khakis on a river. Dave Lidstone. Jeez. So his cabin was built built down. He said even if he could rebuild the cabin, uh, he said, "quote I would have people coming every weekend." So. I just can't get out of society anymore. I've hidden too many years and I built relationships and those relationships have continued to expand. I suppose he means built relationships since he's, uh, he's been dragged out of his cabin kicking and screaming. So, yeah. What a hell of a time to be dragged back into society though. Eh? How about that? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a shit situation. Yeah. Oh, well, I hope the best for him. You know, it's, uh, sad, but, that's the way it went yeah he's famous now so you know he can uh well that's part of the problem uh, reading through the article that that's part of the reason why he thinks he can't go back to he can't go back to nature anymore because even if he was still living there at the cabin after all the attention that he got 
mm -hmm. like uh, people would be coming by all the time and and like checking out everything. It's like well, if I, he if he need if he wants to continue being a hermit, he's essentially got to go move to Alaska at this point. I think he should be one of these survival bushcraft YouTubers. That's my recommendation for River Dave. Be one of these primitive technology guys, like the guy who goes out and uh, builds a log cabin and then builds a forge and makes his <laughs> refines his oh, own but iron, that, that kind that, of thing. Well, yeah, in that vein. That's, I'm not saying that's that stuff's such a crock, though. I mean, because then you then you're part of the whole like YouTube system, right? And well, yeah, and then people can you're visit living it. you're living off of how many views that you get, and then and then are you really? Are you really detached from society and living with nature at that point? Fuck no. no. Because, I mean, you're now living for your audience, essentially. I'm just... And your audience is not is not the trees and the flowers and the deer and the rivers out in the wild. No, they're, they're fat fucks sitting on, uh, sitting on their couches watching Crave TV. Ow, my balls. Crave TV. Oh, Lord. I don't even know. Is that some really lowbrow channel? It is some... It's more like some lowbrow network or something up here in Canada. I keep seeing advertisements for it, and there's all sorts of different channels that are involved. Let's actually look it up. I, I've avoided actually looking into Crave TV, Crave TV. For, for the whole time. Okay, found it. It is a... Video on demand service owned by Bell. Bell. Bell Can Bell yeah, Bell Media, division of Bell Canada. I forgot you still have Bell up there. Yes. Oh man. I always think when I hear Bell, all I can think of is Bell Labs, and they did some really, really good research. But They gave us Unix. <laughs> they gave us everything. They, like well they also yeah, they also gave us Plan 9. They gave us... That came out of Bell Labs. Go back to, like, the the 40s and 50s and pick up... They they would do a publication where they just publish their pure research, and there were people talking way before um, speaker phones existed. They were developing back in just analog circuitry. How do we make a speaker phone? How do you make a phone where you don't have to hold it up to your head? And they were talking about what's the algorithm that has to duck the voice when the other guy's talking? How do you put it in, build it out of op-amps? Um, what are the considerations? All of that is, is it's all valid today. You know, what's conceptually, what has to happen to make a speakerphone work? But they were doing it way before these were invented or popularized, you know. They Do you know the who owns for so Bell Labs right now? Right now? No idea. Nokia. Yeah. Oh, Since 2016. Lord. But yeah, I mean, Bell Labs, they... They brought us radio astronomy, the transistor, lasers, CCDs, without which we wouldn't have all these idiots Instagramming their foods with their iPhones. Yeah. So maybe that one wasn't so good. Uh, Unix, C and C++, AUK. Yep. They, they would put money into pure research. And that was yeah. that's something no one else is, no one's really doing these days. Uh, Google, I mean, some, sometimes people make noises about how they're doing pure research, but universities are really running off from grants. They, yeah, universities have and, not, universities have not done pure research in decades. Yeah. They're doing whatever the, whatever the government or private industry funds them for. Yeah. 
And the reason that they, they do that is because when they get a grant, so they, they can get someone that says, I need to make a big study and I'm, I need $2 million. So first off, not all research needs to million dollar budget. Sometimes pure, good, pure research doesn't cost a lot at all, but people are incentivized to do big projects because of the way their, uh, their value is accounted for at universities. So you've got professors who say, oh, I got to make the next biggest, um, research project. And what they don't tell you, I don't think this is as widely known, but when the government, like, um, let's say a government, American government organization, like the National Institute for Technology or something like that, um, or I'm sorry, the National Science Foundation will give a grant to do some research. Well, you get maybe half of it. If you're good, maybe you'll get 40% of it. And the rest of it goes to the university to pay for the football team and paving the, the uh, oh, well, you know, we need uh, new paving stones on the quad and all the other things that are associated with, you know, university spending. It comes out of the grant money. A big chunk of it actually goes to yeah. the university, not to the research project. So that's why they incentivize these guys to say, well, you know, we don't care about you unless you have big research projects to bring in big bucks because we need to skim off it to keep our own butts in, uh, in uh, you know, silk chairs. But anyway, there's my rant about universities. Fuck universities. School's for fools, dog. Good job. That's what I say. <laughs> Oh man, I caught someone saying "dog" the other day. It's catching on. The uh, lavish... it's coming back, huh? Well, so I've been saying it for a while, and everyone because they want to be like me, they keep saying it. And so I caught Lavish saying it the other day. <laughs> yeah, makes sense. I'm gonna catch you uh, saying "dog." But yeah, I was listening to Behind the Schemes lately. Um, they had some yep. good content there. I'm still trying to feel out. Uh, my new schedule because I had a bunch of things change in my life now. So I, I thought I was going to be listening to a lot more podcasts, but lately I've actually haven't had time to do anything else. So I've caught bits and pieces of behind the schemes and some other other shows, but I haven't been heavily into it. But uh, BTS is on my radar. I'm listening to this shit every time it comes out now, at least for a, for a little bit. But they had at um, least until the flat earthers piss you off. Well, you know. I don't know what about that guy got to me, but it got to Sir uh, Matt too. So, like, yeah, I, I know. And there was a great, there was a great pre-show where you and Sir Matt you were like talking about talking about the and all sorts of other science stuff. Yeah, I like, almost want. I almost wish we were recording that because that could have been released as a bonus. Just you and Sir Matt doing uh, <laughs> doing science talk. Yeah. I think we'll get a co-host or a guest host on maybe once in a while if one of us wants to take a vacation. Uh, we'll see what we'll see what happens with that. Yeah, well, we're we're looking at that happening next month. Actually, right? Yeah, we'll because well, I plan I'm planning to go up I'm planning to go up to Sudbury for a week after the Labor Day weekend. I've got some idea about who's going to be on with me. Uh, I don't want to spoil it just yet, and I got to check back with them too and make sure it's still going to happen. Yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna spoil anything. But yeah, I'm. I'm looking forward to this vacation to Sudbury. Mm-hmm. Up there is Science North, which is which is a big science museum. There's uh, there's a mining museum that's Ooh. run by the same organization that does Science North, and in a in a town a little north of Sudbury itself called Capriel, there's a big rail museum. Which oh, those are cool. Of course, being being a being a bit of a foamer, right? I've got to I've got to check that out. Yeah. Oh my God! Woo! Listen to that horn. 
Sudbury, man. I I uh, I'm pulling this up on a map because I don't see it. It's a it's a city in the middle of a big crater full of mines. Okay. In fact, they say that the that the collision that created that crater was probably one of the largest bolides that ever come into contact with the uh, post-formation Earth. Oh, geez. Yeah, I'm looking at it. Northern Ontario Railroad Museum. Yep. Science North. Yeah, those are uh, the only two things in town, according to Google Maps. <laughs> yeah, well, fuck Google Maps. Yeah, I know. Google Maps don't know shit. You know what turns out to be a really good product is the Garmin... Um, car-mounted GPS, car-mounted navigators. I use one of those, and I've been using it for about two years now, and it's completely offline. It doesn't have to phone home or anything. The The only thing you don't get with it is real-time traffic. Um, I've never had a problem with that because I know what the traffic is, uh, at least where I am, because I know if I'm stop-and-go or I'm actually driving. It, anyway, if you can give that up, it's a really cool product because it, it gives you... All the functionality you think about getting with Google Maps or with, you know, a phone navigator, but it's not tied into any other network. It's completely offline. And for, There's a myth out there. I know I don't have to tell you this, but I want to say this explicitly so our, our listeners know. When you have a GPS system, it's receive only. It doesn't transmit to a satellite where you are or anything like that. GPS is a signal that's broadcast. If you receive it, you know, just like if you turn on your TV... There's no way for someone to find out if your TV is on or not, or, or what station your radio is on, unless there's an extra circuit doing that, or there's an extra spyware on your your system sending it back. So, yeah, pure, it's anonymous, I mean, pure you know? GPS, pure GPS. Like what your what it essentially does is it knows about the orbits of the different satellites and the signals coming from the satellites. It goes, oh, I can see this one and this one and this one, and this is the time I have. Yep. So I must be here on the planet and in fact the more satellites the more gps satellites it can receive from at once the more accurate the the more accurate the the uh location it tells you is yep and, and yeah so the cell phone cell phone gps yeah the problem there is you can't you can't trust that the phone itself isn't calling home with the with the location and in fact that's actually something that uh some phones are sold, are sold for like they will say i'm right here so that you can check on your cloud service oh my phone's missing oh why is it in the next town over mm. i haven't been over there it must have been stolen Find my right? phone. things like that yeah now going back to gps devices now you're talking about a garmin one i think that's what my mother has in or had until it stopped working in her car me and my rogue I've actually got like a built-in, there's actually like a built-in screen for for managing different features in the vehicle, including GPS. Mm. And it even has the ability to to look up like different features. Like I can say like, find me the nearest gas station or find me the nearest restaurant. Yeah. Unfortunately, unfortunately, I have not been able to find any updates for for that system because as you said it's an offline thing so it needs to know it needs to know all the map information it needs to know all the feature location ahead of time you got to have it like loaded up on an sd card and put that in and because i can't find updates for it i'm not even sure if nissan offers uh 
updates that work with my 2014 Rogue, I'm living off of old maps. Yeah, it's so at least Gar what the only thing I can say about Garmin is they do have modern maps so you can go and sync it to Wi-Fi and then it'll re-download its whole maps database and you'll get the updated one with all the extra new little route changes and all that. But oh, I, I could probably do that if I had an iPhone because it says, oh, yeah, we can connect with iPhones and other iOS devices. Sure. I try plugging in my Android tablet even just to charge. and It goes, oh, I don't recognize this. <laughs> yeah. Fuck off. And it's like, yeah, fuck you. I'm just plugging it into charge anyways, you asshole vehicle. Yep. Ah, oh, well, such is life. So Sudbury. Sudbury la vie. is, uh, do you get much service up there besides GPS? I don't know. I've never been to Sudbury before. So we're going to find out. Um, the latitude is... Let me click on here and see if I can get the latitude. Yeah, hopefully I won't be eaten by a moose. Oh, you're not that that far up. 46. No. <laughs> I've been looking at... Uh, I was talking yeah, about no, moose. Yeah, it, no, still, it's still south of the 49th. I'm thinking about um, a lot of geosynchronous satellites really can't see above a certain latitude. Um just because of the spherical round nature of the planet. <laughs> the planet is not round. It's okay. It's a, uh, ellipsoid. <laughs> yes, it is a <laughs> ellipsoid. Yes. But the, you can model it as round for, for convenience when you're doing some yes. antenna stuff. Uh, the, the squashing factor at the poles. I, I have done this, uh, work before where you find out what the, what would the, uh, what is the true shape of the earth? And you have to go into the geoid models and everything and type a bunch of fucking equations. And it's a long way to go to get to a stupid answer. But the, uh, the squishing factor when you get to the poles is significant sometimes, but it's not always, uh, it's still the, I mean, the earth still looks round from a long way off because that factor is so actually so small. Anyway, yeah. um, when you get up far enough North, you can't see a lot of geosynchronous satellites. So you're, your ability to receive direct TV, like if you get way up north and you want to have a satellite dish that's going to receive TV, you're basically pointing it down. If you're at the equator, you're pointing it straight up. And as you go further and further north, you're you're pointing it down further and further closer to the horizon. And eventually you get so close to the horizon, there's so much troposphere in the way. You can't receive anything. And you're Now, I don't believe, stuck. though, that... Yeah, I don't believe that GPS uses geosynchronous it satellites. It does not though. on purpose because it wanted to avoid that. They have a bunch of shells with a bunch of different inclinations on it. So the geosynchronous satellites have an inclination of zero degrees, but I forget what the GPS one. They're in medium Earth orbit and they are at a... There are six different planes of orbit in in MEO. Yeah. The, way that they, um, the way that they're set up, though... If I remember my facts correctly, the idea is, let's say that on a certain day, you see it, there's a GPS satellite it comes up over the horizon and it goes over your head and then it goes sets behind you. Well, the next day at the same time, another GPS satellite, not the same PR, it's not the same vehicle, but the next orbit over will go over and follow the same path. So they did some funny things that make it sync up. Now we know the speed of the earth rotating changes. That, that was something you taught me, but it generally, you know, it's kind of close enough that uh, it it seems like it just it's the next satellite comes over the overhead the next day at the same time. Uh, there's they they did some clever stuff with the uh, with the design of those orbits. So it was really thought through uh, before they put them up there. Yeah. Plus, they 
At the same time, the GPS satellites aren't just saying, oh, I'm GPS satellite number whatever. They're also saying, this is the current atomic time yeah. the whole time as well. They're, they're, essential, they're essentially time servers in space. Yep. In fact, one of the ways that you can get when you're doing uh, maybe like a frequency counter kind of measurement, I don't know. As I'm going to end up talking about microwave if you keep if you keep nudging me in this direction. I'm going to keep talking about microwave technology. But the uh, the GPS signal we often use as a standard, and it's not the best standard. Like the atomic clock in a GPS satellite is like ten times or a hundred times worse than the best ones on Earth. But that's because they had well, to put it course. in a satellite, right? But it's still yeah. a hell of a lot cheaper than buying your own atomic clock and putting it in your uh, and putting it in your lab when you could just run a little antenna up and uh, and uh, get GPS time off and you know synchronize to that instead. So well, I think in most in most cases, if you've got an internet connection, you'll use that and and be and try and connect to like a tier one or tier two NTP server. Oh, I'm I'm talking about radio receivers measuring like phase noise parameters and shit. Okay, that like, yeah, that's something really sensitive different. radio measurements of receivers. We'll use GPS as a standard because it's cheaper than built than you know buying your own stuff. And it's free. It's just out there. You put an antenna outside, yeah. you get GPS anywhere in the world. Even at the poles. Even at the because poles. Because I do believe that I do believe one of the planes does cover site of the of the north and south poles yeah at least three of them do by of the, the six i'm not talking about the satellites themselves i'm talking about the orbital planes that the that the satellites are launched into there are at least three that see the poles at any time okay so navigate what that means is navigation at the poles is possible if there were if there were less than three you could navigate mm-hmm Anyway, okay. Anyway, that was our GPS topic for the year, <laughs> <laughs> or for the show, for the episode at least. If you tune in for more GPS talk uh, next week, when we rehash the same conversation again and again and again. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's right, counter for you. All right, what do we got for topics? Let's do something. Uh, well, we kind of got the podcast. You want to jump into podcast real fast? Yeah, let's do a little bit of podcast news. Yeah. So yeah, that's it for Grumpy Old Ben's. The Gumpy Old Has Ben's is what I'm calling it now, and it's Gumpy, not Grumpy, because there's no R in it. No anymore. more R. So yeah, no R in it anymore. And I, my feeling on this is that it shouldn't be called Grumpy Old Ben's anymore. I don't like the idea of it continuing with the name Grumpy Old Ben's, and so I, I am calling for a boycott until the name changes by at least one letter, preferably removing the R. <laughs> that's yeah, right. Yeah, I'm, I'm. <laughs> Boy, I'm, I'm with you on that because I feel I feel the same I feel the same way. It's trying trying to continue to use the name even temporarily. I don't think was a good idea by Darren. No, it's poor form and it really looks bad. And I said my piece on the last show. I said Ryan's a little bitch. Okay, I still stand by that. If you're getting trolled by Harry Hamster, you need to try harder. This is. I don't know. I don't like the idea of Grumpy Old Ben's without Ryan Bemrose. Ryan Bemrose is a critical part of the show. He's actually half the part of the show. And if you want evidence of that, look at how they split the finances of the show. It didn't go mostly to Darren. They split the Grumpy Old Ben's donations 50-50. Doesn't that imply that he'd have to say in the show? You know, it's unless there's something in the back room, it's possible that Ryan said, hey, you know, do whatever you want. But I didn't see that in public, and I didn't hear anyone claim that happened. So my perspective is uh, you should probably change the name. It just sounds bad. Yeah, it's it's. And I mean, it was it wasn't a bad it wasn't a bad show that Darren did with Larry, but yeah, it definitely was not. Uh, it definitely wasn't G O B. 
in the in the club in like it's just like it was the Darren and Larry show yeah. featuring Darren O'Neill and also featuring Larry Blydner. So Darren O is in a- insert some cheesy fifties <laughs> sitcom music here. The Darren O is is saying in the chat room they did call the last one Grumpy Old Bloviators, and that's true, I guess. But I looked at the feed and it was still called Grumpy Old Ben's, and it showed up on my podcatcher as Grumpy Old Ben's. And, uh, because it's on the Grumpy Old Ben's feed, and he posted it as episode 182 of Grumpy Old Ben's. Yeah. So the episode might have been Grumpy Old Bloviators, but the show continued to be Grumpy Old Ben's. Yeah, yeah we'll see if the feed... He says that it takes time for the feed changes to propagate, so we'll see. You can always start a new feed. Uh, well, I there is something to say about reusing the feed, because... Um, you know, you don't always want to throw that out. There's a lot of people subscribing to it, and you can say, well, okay, we got a divorce. Who gets the house, right? It's a big question, and maybe there's there may be nothing else you have that's more valuable than the house, right? The feed well, is kind of like I the house. Think you, is, know? Yeah. you don't want to what burn I, it down. What, I've got a thought about that, though. I mean, like, you can do, like, a five- or ten-minute recording saying, yeah, there's no there's no more show, but you can come find us at wherever, right? And put that in the show notes as well. And then people get that when when their podcatcher grabs it. And then there and then there you go. You've got like in there, like, here's the link to the new here's the link to our new show and the feed link for it, right? And then you can leave then you can leave the old stuff completely as is. Yeah. If they don't pay attention, well, fuck them, Darren. That's that's what I say. I mean, I mean, if we don't pay attention, are we really are we really worth like keeping an eye on us? I right. I'm not opposed to to Darren just taking over the feed, especially because Ryan doesn't have a project ready to go. And I know that sounds yeah. kind of cool, but it's like, yeah, okay, so he kind of has it. But uh, my complaint, let me reiterate, it isn't about the feed. It's just like it's not Grumpy Old Ben's. And it sounds yeah. like he's working on changing the name or whatever. Okay, that's fine. But yeah, like I would totally, I would totally listen and subscribe to the Darren and Larry show, especially if they had like a '50s style comedy uh, opening. You know, like you know, like I love Lucy, right? But uh, but Darren is Lucy and uh, Larry <laughs> is uh, Desi. <laughs> Lucy, I'm home. Darren, I'm home. <laughs> oh no! Uh oh! Ah, ah. Oh dear! None of this is good. No, it's not good at all. All right. Well, we had Hog Story. Uh, they had their episode two oh eight out of sequence, and I missed it. Uh, I think partially because it was out of sequence. Um. Yeah. That was the two oh eight. That was Sizes yesterday's were. episode. I think it was recorded on a Tuesday. Not a Monday because of an internet yes, problem. Yes, because because there was internet problems for Fletcher. Yeah. On Monday, and he actually spent a little bit of time connected to Carolyn on the stream mm. through his phone. Ooh. Yeah. We had. Uh, I didn't get to listen to that. I saw it was out there. I, I saw that they bumped the, an episode up, but I haven't. I haven't listened to a whole lot. You know what I said? Um, no agenda. Adam mentioned on the show. He wants to try and run the show on Linux. What do you think of that one? Hold on a second. Fletcher just said something that needs to be that needs to be responded to. Fletcher said that Sunlink suddenly went down, and what I'm what I'm thinking is, are you sure it was that sudden? <laughs> Sunlink. Yeah. Oh dear. 
Yeah, well, right? Per perfect name. Perfect name for his ISP, right? Yeah. Because it suddenly disconnects. It's. We should start an ISP called Internet Surprise. <laughs> get, here's what happens. When you get the bill, it's a surprise. Yeah. Oh my god. So anyway, yeah, so I I saw I saw a post from Adam uh talking about talking about like he enjoys using Linux, but the thing that the thing that he hates is like how everybody is uh always saying like your distro sucks and mine's the best. And well, I had a great response to that. I said, well, that's the entire Linux community. Yeah. I I have a problem with him saying that he enjoys using Linux because I don't think now, I'm sure maybe someone does, but I certainly don't enjoy using Linux. It's like a chore, and I've done it professionally. It's not like I'm just talking out of turn here. I have actually held down jobs where part of my problem or part of my job was to actually use Linux in a professional way, right? But it's like, it's such there, a There pain are people that do enjoy using Linux. And there are people I don't that do enjoy them. using Linux. They're they're masochists, yeah. but they do enjoy it. It's, and at the same time, I'm sure they enjoy being whipped and chained up to chairs. They like the leather and like the candle wax. Yeah, the leather and the oh, don't forget don't forget the latex uh, too. The latex and the the gimp masks. I think there's a lot of USB vibrators in there somewhere. Probably are. <laughs> But uh, they don't work, and, though. Uh, the problem is they don't work because they can't get it, the drivers don't forget, installed. Don't forget, don't forget Internet of Things uh, uh, chastity belts. Oh, uh, yeah. And they don't work because no one can install the drivers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, oh, me personally, the operating system that I've enjoyed the most using has actually been Amigo OS. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Now, I still never use that. I've told, I've said this on the show. I've never really used Amiga at all. I've played with an emulator once, and I played with a simulated Amiga uh, OS once uh, in a game, but that was it. Yeah, it. As Cotton Gin said in the chat, it was way ahead of its time. Well, Crave TV wants me to watch F Boy Island, um, RuPaul's Drag Race All Stars. And a Fuck number Boy of Island, F Boy. Well, I don't know. It just says F Boy Island. It could be something else. It doesn't have to be Fuck Boy. Sounds Island. like Fuck Boy to me. I mean, there's a lot of words that start with F. It's F Boy Island. Maybe it's Fuck Boy. Yeah, but how many of them end with Boy? Start with F and end with Boy. The only one I know is Fuck Boy. Well, I'm a fun boy. And you know what? You know what? You know what you do with Fuck Boys? You spook them. Ah, ah, yeah. Oh my God. Skeleton War now. Spook the fuck boys. <laughs> Spook the fuck boys. Now there now there's a meme that uh, nobody remembers. Yep. Except for me. You know why? Why? I don't know. I don't know where I was going with that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we got some topics to talk about here. Let me scroll up. I didn't delete enough of my pictures out of my notes because I have to keep scrolling up. I'm still scrolling up. I should just delete more. Um, what well, do we I've got? got something. I've got something to bring up while uh, while you're scrolling around. Oh uh, yeah, it's gonna take a while. So why don't you bring yeah. it up? I'm still scrolling. They found a new. They found a nude. new carnivorous plant uh, in British Columbia. They said nude. No, I said new. Okay. Like a Venus. In fact, they, they've known they've known about this flower for for over a century. They they first they first discovered the plant itself in 1879. 
but they only just realized that it's a carnivorous plant. Really? Yeah, it's called Triantha occidentalis, or the, uh, what's the, what's the normal name for it? The bog-dwelling western false ashvidel. Oh, that sounds like my cousin. Your cousin lives in a bog? <laughs> oh, man. Maybe River Dave. What if he had a funny name like that? Would he be a river-dwelling... Uh, I don't know. I'm trying to come up. What would River Dave be in Latin? I don't know. <laughs> Nude carnivorous anyway. plant says cotton gin. Okay. <laughs> anyway, so, yeah, they only discovered this recently. There is a... Uh, <laughs> There is a botany study that was taking place at the University of British Columbia, and uh, and they were doing a, they were doing this study on plant genetics mm -hmm. and realized that the the Western false asphodel had a genetic deletion that's also common among carnivorous plants, and they started thinking, huh, this seems interesting, and. The, the area where we find it tends to have other carnivorous plants. What if, right? And, and so off they went and discovered that the sticky stems of these, uh, of these plants were a way for them to trap and feed on insects. Mm. So usually, usually carnivorous plants have like specially formed leaves that are used to trap its prey. Yeah. In this case, in this case, like they they actually get bugs to stick to the stem and then spider like they suck out the nutrients through the stem itself. Yeah, I'm looking at a picture here. Looks kind of Yeah. Looks kind of gnarly. Pretty badass. Got a sticky stem. Yeah. You got to have a sticky stem. You know who you else know? has a sticky stem? Who has a sticky stem? Tubin. Oh yeah. That was a low blow. <laughs> I'm sorry. That oh was my, how lewd. That was Clinton. Yeah, he had a sticky stem, too. <laughs> oh, man. It ain't so sticky ever since Hillary stopped letting him out of the house, though. Oh, man. What are we going to yeah, do on this show? What are we going to do? Where, I need a big groan kind of clip, you know? like. Yeah, we, we do. I, I, I got to give myself the buzzer. That's what I'll I get you, for those terrible jokes. I'll, yeah. give you, I'll give you a buzzer, too. <laughs> Yeah, usually you think of um, a Venus flytrap as my go-to carnivorous plant. The other one is the uh, the one that smells like death. The corpse flower. The corpse flower, yeah. They had one of those at the uh, Botany Museum. What the hell was it called? Uh, it was a museum in Denver. And it would bloom yeah. once in a while, and they'd have, right when they're thinking it's going to bloom, all the tickets for the museum would would sell out. It would be booked. because everybody wants to spell something like that smells like a rotting corpse. Yeah, because people are weird. Yep, people are fucking weird. Yeah, the botanic gardens and it's the corpse flower looks really gross. I mean, it looks like a. It's first, it's huge. It's a giant thing that's you know taller than a child, and it's got a. I don't know how would I describe it. It's got like a bowl that's full of sticky, stinky juice. And a stem that goes for miles. Or whatever the thing is. It's like a big dick in the middle of it. I don't know what to call it. Yeah. Well. And the corpse flower. Big flower dick. Big flower dick. That's good enough for me. Yeah. Apparently, apparently there is a, there is a threat to the particular cultivar that's seen in all of these, like, botanical gardens. Oh, yeah. I saw some, I saw something to that regard earlier today. 
I don't remember where I saw it, so I don't have a link. I just, like, apparently the corpse plant is in trouble, at least the ones that are kept in captivity. Mm. There's too many people sniffing them, maybe. Too many they noses sniff up there. their own asses instead. Yeah. I mean, it, it probably smells better. Uh-huh. Hey, speaking of stuff that smells and tastes bad, uh, you sent me a link about potato milk. No, I didn't. Well, you sent me a link Car- about it. Uh, Carblanes did. Oh, that's right. She sent it to, uh, to by way of uh, cold acid. She sent it to me. Yes, she, she, I was mere. I was merely the the messenger boy. You were the uh, the M boy. <laughs> that I, I I prefer messenger boy. Thank you. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so this was a Swedish company that's making potato milk, and I went and pulled it up. The company's called Dig or Doug Drinks. Because you got to dug them up? Yeah, because you got to dug them up to drink them. And, uh, well, I keep clicking on the link and it keeps opening the wrong website. That's kind of a flaw in in my notes app. But they haven't launched yet. They have a website up, dugdrinks.com. I guess that's D-U-G, like like, uh, Dig Dug. Oh, I was about to paste it in. Yeah, I, I got it. Um... They they show a video of like someone pouring this over their granola. I would point out it's not cereal. They're pour, pouring it over basically granola, like trail mix. Uh, I know honey nut uh, Cheerios. Excuse here. me, but granola the main the main component to granola is cereal. Well, I'm looking at at this. least at least in the sen- in the sense that uh, in the sense that all grains are cereals. Honey Nut Cheerios. Not 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 in the breakfast is, cereal sense. Is what I think. So much as like, yeah. So there's a there's a video of a woman turning a knob and then pouring this stuff into a cup and then steaming it and then pouring it more into a bowl. And so this is uh I don't know some kind of plant milk. I don't know how you get milk out of a potato. I've personally, I thought I had done everything with a potato that was possible, uh, in good company to do. And, uh, I I can kind of I can kind of understand it because when making when making potato pancakes right I've had to actually grate the potatoes myself and what you end up with is is not just the grated potato but also like this white liquid mm-hmm. right is that the potato and milk? it doesn't it doesn't matter like that might be that might be like the source of the potato milk they might be grating potatoes and then squeezing the gratings dry and all the all the liquid that comes out they they get a little bit of filtering and that's that could very well be our potato milk well i thought wadco is potato milk though i guess it's distilled from fermented potatoes no 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 wadco is potato water and it could also be cabbage water and it could also be like various other plant water isn't it little water literally yeah. Maybe. <laughs> if I remember my, my Russian trivia. Well, oh, with well. the ka on the end, it's definitely diminutive. Yep. Well, so there you go. This is the Doug drink story. No one's tasted it yet, but they have three flavors. Doug original, Doug barista, which I'm not sure what the difference in taste is. Uh, and then there's Doug unsweetened, which you can kind of guess what the difference in taste is with that one. Uh, I bet it's very earthy. Yeah. I mean, it comes from a root. Well, speaking of, let's go to the other end of the spectrum. So that was a very vegan-friendly story. Let's talk about a different one. I got a lead from Bongo Boy. Uh, Bongo Boy is a guy who shows up to the local No Agenda meetups at 
uh, down in like Alexandria, Virginia. And I went to one last Sunday and I saw Baga Boy Uh Maybe, I don't know. They call it the spot, the spook meetup, but uh, it's kind of up in the air exactly who the spook is. Uh, that was the one the DC girl hosts and uh, along with uh, Sir William of Pennsylvania. And so I saw them again, said hi. Um, yep. But while we were chatting it up, talking about, you know, everything under the sun, Bongo Boy points out, somehow he got on fry grease, and Bongo Boy points out there was some Memphis restaurant. He was trying to remember what the name of it was, and we finally looked it up. He says, there's a Memphis restaurant that has, like, 100-year-old fry oil. So what they what they have is, for the past 100 years, they never changed their grease, and they fry everything in the same, it's like the... Uh, the secret ancient grease that they uh, that they gives it the special flavor no one else can get. Well, they they have to top it up. It's not it's not exactly the same grease that heretic not necessarily heretic. Hold on, hold on. First <laughs> first of all, first of all, I have worked over a fryer in my past, yeah. and I can tell you that stuff that just does does not stick around. You even if you don't clean the units all the time, you still have to add in new. You still have to new add in new oil like every day because a bunch of it boils away. And then you've got another. Then you've got another situation on your hands. You've got the ship of Theseus situation on your hands because <laughs> who's to say that any particular molecule of that grease that's in their fryers is from all the way back in 1912 when they started. You don't believe this is, it. This is my this is my grandfather's axe. We replace we replace the shaft and then we replace the head. Right? That that, that whole thing that whole thing, right? You don't believe in homeopathy, do you, huh? I bet you think that's bullshit too. Not not in the slightest. <laughs> this is I heard Fletcher say once. He says he had a guitar that was so beat up, the only it was so rebuilt, the only original part was the hole. Maybe that reminds me. <laughs> Steel is yeah, that sounds about right. That sounds about right. <laughs> it this is uh we're talking about Dyer's Burgers, uh D-Y-E-R apostrophe S Burgers in uh, Memphis, Tennessee, and that's their claim is that they have the one hundred year old fry grease. And they've got a burger. That, just... when, when they've moved locations, they've kept under armed guard. Yes, so no one can take that stinky grease and, I don't know, put it in their pre... Imagine if you put that in a uh, in one of those cars that runs on old fry oil, you know? Imagine how far you'd go with 100-year-old. How concentrated does that shit have to be? There, there's down. a Simpsons clip for this. <laughs> Let right. me see if I find it. Oh, let, let's all wait. We'll Born in it. a what the? My retirement grease! No! <laughs> All right, I'll give it to you. You found it a hell of a lot faster than I thought you would. <laughs> yeah, I already had it open. I, uh, I was prepared for this. Yeah, so there was Bongo Boy's little contribution. Uh, and, uh, thanks for hanging out, Bongo Boy. I appreciate it. If you want to talk about music or uh, music production, you know, you know where to get me. Oh, boy. <laughs> so what else do we got? We got some, uh, what do you oh. want to talk about? We got some scams for drivers. We got some stupid stuff about scientific papers. We've got anime. We've got the 41st anniversary of the conception of the IBM PC. Oh, d d d that sounds sexy. I like conceptions. Yeah, so the IBM PC re was released in 1980. Was released in 1981, so so 40 years ago, 
but they start but this the project itself to to create it started in August 1980. Okay. And so the OS2 Museum website published an article about about like the initial design of the PC and and the legacy of the data master terminal system that predated it. But I found I found this interesting reading because you know like I'm a I'm a computer nerd. I'm I'm not going to lie about that. Oh, well, you know. And yeah. I never noticed. Yeah, do, right. Do, do you have a link to this story? Oh yeah, of course I do. Yeah. Of course I do. But yeah, it's like uh so 41 years ago this month is when they started designing the IBM PC in a way very different from previous IBM products. Up before the PC, an IBM product and computer product tended to have about five years of design to release time. And this had a year. Hmm. Because, well, because the computer industry was moving on without IBM in the particular field of microcomputers, as they were called at the time. Yeah. And IBM just couldn't have that. And they, and so they created the IBM PC, and because they didn't nail down their agreements with Microsoft and other vendors well enough, the platform was easily cloned and ended up ended up screwing up IBM even more in the long run. So there you go. There, the, a warning there on trying to trying to take the lead when you're already way behind i like this first page of the physical drawing yeah on on like lined paper no less right it is now this was drawn by a drafter a professional drafter and it's drawn to scale in perspective did you notice yep. that and so that's a, yes i did that is something that's been lost so they so first off look at the size of the power supply that's the whole length of the computer that's giant that's got to be a yeah. lot of current draw in that thing. Five inches by four inches by 16 inches. Yep. So That's you, quite a bit of volume there. You have to think about, you know, this is how they did um, when you design, you know, the, the PC is kind of a 3D case. And you have to just figure out where all the different bays and the parts and the components go in. But you don't have CAD software. You don't have computer-aided design uh, because it's the 80s. And so what you have to have is drafters who can draw shit in 3D. And, they had uh, CAD in the 80s. Well, no one used it. They just didn't have it in 1980. Okay, I'll give you that. They had it in the 80s. But uh, this is really cool. I love to see these old drawings. Every once in a while, I stumble on one for something, you know. It's... Did you did you actually click on the picture itself? Because it actually opened a PDF of eight pages with more than just that one diagram. Yeah, I, I scrolled through them all. The rest are little block die. They're hand-drawn. I guess the top page is hand-drawn, but they're all kind of sketches. I think, yeah, I think the top one was hand-drawn, but with a ruler. Um, I'm not, they use, the drafter tables have, um, I can't remember what the damn thing is called. Uh, it's a device that lets you, you, you draw can these see, parallel You can lines. see there, underneath, underneath the right drive, there's like a pen tick off of the line, right? Underneath. That's what makes me think that that it was hand, that it was done by hand with a ruler, and at that point, like either the ruler shifted and he noticed, or or like the ruler was on the other side and accidentally just bumped away from it, drawing the line. They use um, these parallel bars, parallel rulers. That's what, that's what I'm getting on here. 
uh, I've seen them before. I've seen people draw with them, but no one learns how to do it anymore. You used to learn in school, especially if you went into engineering, you had to learn how to draw. And back, if you went far you enough You had back, to learn how to use a slide rule. If you go far enough back, like we were talking about particle physicists, you know what a key component to being a, a physicist was back in the 1920s and 30s and 40s? You had to know how slide to- Slide rules? Blow glass. Because glass blowing, glass blowing, because back in the early days, you were really dealing with vacuum tubes, evacuation tubes, and it was a important skill to be able to make your own. Uh, and so you Damn. had to blow glass. And later on, you know, they uh, we kind of moved away from that. Now we have solid state everything. But even when people were doing like um, photo photo multipliers and things like that, like the early days, which I also think was a Bell Labs thing, if I remember right. Photo multipliers, that's, a, that's another topic. But it had to do with, you actually had to make the vessel the stuff was going to go in. And there were people, I can't remember his name, famous scientist, theoretical physicist. Um, I read his biography. I can't remember his damn name now. But he said he had a split in his career where he was at like UC Berkeley or something working on particle physicists, particle physics. I'm sorry. And he said, well, I was going to be doing practical uh, like experimental physics physics, but I couldn't because I was bad at bad at blowing glass. And so I had to go into theoretical and then he ended up doing a bunch of quantum theory stuff. <laughs> it's just bad at it. You know, that's kind of that's funny. pretty wild. Yeah, indeed. Oh, this is cool. IBM. Hmm. 40, would you say 41 years? 41 years. Yep. Well, what do you got on the rundown now? Oh, we should probably hit into some anime before we uh, hit our last topic for the show. Yeah, we're going to have to make a choice on that last topic because I see two I want to talk about. <laughs> I've got a few that I want to I talk about too. One of them involves heavy metals. All right. So Not let's... heavy metal, the music, but uh, heavy metal, the elements. Mm, let's do anime and then we'll we'll do your topic. Alrighty. Alright, so I usually start this one on. I start it again. We had uh Higarashi, the telenovela continues. Ooh. It's uh it's the so the the way they've planned out this season is so last season of Higarashi, the last what was it, twelve episodes or something like that. They went through a story and there's all kinds of weird shit, supernatural shit going on in the story, and then this season, the pattern they're following is they're actually following the same it's like this season's the same as the last season, but it's a completely different perspective. Everything's flipped around, and you see what's going on in the background, and you see the sinister motives and the not-so-sinister stuff uh, going on. And if you remember, so many uh, months ago, I was talking about a story arc where we had a character, Sadako, who's just a little girl, and she's being abused by her uncle. And so there, there's a whole arc where they're going to child protective services and they're trying to get orders in place. And no one's listening to them. And that was the, the story arc. And this current episode that just came out is the same story, but from her perspective. And she's fucking lying about everything. It is such a uh, 180 degrees from last season. Where before it was like, yeah, she's totally getting beat. Well, all let me just put it this way. All kinds of bad things were happening to her with her abusive uncle in the house. And it turns out, uh, from uh, from the way they're showing it in this season, everything was a lie. It was some trick that she was doing. She was trying to uh, garner support for herself or, or pity for herself. And so she was just lying about everything the whole time. And my God, this what was... a little was, bitch. She is the villain of this whole fucking show now. Sadako is the worst. And so she went from the abuser, uh, the abused 
uh, last season. Then we see, wait a minute, she's actually the abuser. She's doing everything on purpose. She's doing things like killing people because um, they get in her way. She's such a little bitch. Oh my god, she's the worst. And uh, so basically, I'm loving the show, uh, and we're gonna keep watching. Of course, you, you can see the pictures. I put some screenshots in there where you can see her uh, being super manipulative to people and. Uh, Every time her eye, whenever she, I'm gonna gets, have like, to really stick. A, I'm gonna have to stick a few of those into the into the notes. Every time she gets really evil, well, her eyes just turn red, and it's this really jarring thing. They glow red. It's like, oh god, so bad. She's like such a villain. Like almost possessed. Yeah. Yeah, that's what she Scary is. Scary look on her face. Yep. So here's some, here's some news that you might you might not have noticed, but I definitely picked up on. This was this was something else that. That was brought to our attention. Our attention. Yep. Amazon Prime Video is going to have the the rebuild of Evangelion films f- available for streaming. Really. And really? apparently, found saw when I was searching for an article about this. Apparently, they're going to have them dubbed as well. Are they using the Netflix dub cast? I presume they. I'm. Are. I'm not entirely sure. I didn't check that article out. I just saw it in the search results. But yeah, rebuild of Evangelion films. So no word about the about the original Eva films. Oh, like End of Evangelion? Yeah. Um, death but, and Rebirth. Well, Death and Rebirth was kind of a clip show. It yeah. It's a new scene, but it was a clip show. I know, but still, I watched, I watched both the movies and the entire series, and yeah, it's like... You want the full experience. You more or less need to do it that way. Yep. Well, I miss... I've always been partial to the Tiffany Grant dub. It's been one of my, oh, my favorite... That? Well, because she plays Asuka, uh, and she has the voice for it. It's it's what I always think of when I think of... When I see Asuka, I always think of her... Uh, her her character... She does a great Aunt Abaka? What are you, stupid? Is what she says, you know. <laughs> All right. So now I guess it's time for us to go back in time over a hundred years. One to the yeah hundred to the, years ago. Yes, over a hundred years ago, to the scar to the scarred wastelands between France and Germany. Okay. So back so back at the end of World War One, right? Mm-hmm. The French the French were going through going through like from. From the Belgian to the Swiss ends of their border with Germany, okay, and evaluating like all the all the damage and destruction that had happened there, because most most of the Western Front was pretty much fought in France and Belgium, not in Germany. Okay, at, at the time the war at the time the war ended, the I still think that the that the Germans were in France itself and. Hadn't hadn't been pushed into Germany at the end of. I could be wrong about and, this. And they've been trying but, to get back ever since. Yeah. <laughs> well, well. To be fair, to be fair, like there are parts of France that are really German areas, like what's now called Lorraine and Alsace. Alsace are were at least primarily populated by Germans, not French. And it's just uh, it's just the way that. Uh, history turned out that they're on the French side of the border. Okay, but anyway, like you know, like you, I'm sure you've seen the pictures from 
from movies and articles and history class when you were in school about like the the wasteland that was that was left. Apparently, apparently through the war, for every for every square meter of land throughout throughout the uh, throughout the battlefront, there are three there were three bombs. That would that would have crashed into it. Artillery shells or gas shells or what have you. Mm-hmm. And so, because essentially, what the French did was they they did a triage on the on the land that'd been that'd been fought on, and determined like are these are these areas that we can clean up? Are these areas that that will eventually go back to normal are these areas that are absolutely no go. And so there is to this day the zone rouge in France where nobody is allowed no civilians are allowed to go and the only non-civilians that are allowed in are those who are actually like remediating the land or searching for the unexploded ordnance that still remains through the areas. Hmm. And there's a, there's another thing related related to this the iron harvest that French and Belgian uh, farmers come up with every year when they plow their fields and pull out all sorts of bombs from the first world war and sometimes the second. And so some of these some of these areas in the red zone are are like completely dead. Like forget forget just uh forget just like not having human life in them plants won't even grow because the soils become so toxic from the chemicals used for bombs and from other, and from heavy metals in them themselves so there's there's these areas like in France where it's just like dark black and nothing grows there and even even extremophiles that love like these sort of conditions won't grow there in the soil you don't really think about metals being toxic, uh, toxic for plant life. It's like metal is metal, right? You might think of, but the truth is, a lot of metals are actually poisonous, and they don't go along with life very well. Some of, some of them are some of them are absorbed by various plants, though. And in fa- in fact, one of the things with uh, mining before the modern day is that prospectors would look for plants that were differently colored in certain ways because that would be an indicator that there's maybe copper around here or manganese or some other metal right Mm -hmm. but heavy metals i mean when you when you yeah you don't want to have cadmium i don't think there's cadmium trees growing anywhere you know what i mean no you you wouldn't want you wouldn't want to live somewhere where like the plants are absorbing cadmium that's for sure yeah i got a lead, lead bush in my backyard in the in the sixth in the sixth century, the Chinese had manuals on how to determine what uh, what ores might be available in the area based on the appearance of plants. Hmm. And cool. to the to this day, to this day, like botany is still used in some areas for this purpose, determining determining what's growing around. And there's other things where various metal salts are used in gardening so that flowers will have certain different colors or they might grow a different way and therefore have a different appearance that uh that the gardener wants hmm. 
Yeah, it, it's actually really interesting. But yeah, there, there's a place called La Place de Gas, or the Place of Gas. And this is where, like, a lot of chemical weapons from the First World War were rounded up and burned. Okay. Like, they just, they just, pot, and they just, like, dug out trenches, threw in all the, threw in all the chemical bombs in there, and set them on fire. And the, yeah, and, like, the, the ground there, like, the dirt, I'm not going to call it soil, because soil implies there's life. Yeah. It looks like melted tarmac. Hmm. Or melted asphalt, right? Like, what asphalt would look like if you broke it down to the consistency of dirt. So do we need to make a new kind of bomb that we can bomb this with that'll uh, that'll bring it back to... Like, what if we had, like, a nitrogen bomb that went down and uh, it exploded and then it sprayed fertilizer everywhere? Is that what we need? I don't think that would help. Really? What? I mean... Like, I mean, uh, what would that do other than, like, spread all, spread all the... All this... Uh, contaminated dirt everywhere okay what rather 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 what needs to be done is process that dirt to pull out to pull out all the heavy metals and encapsulate them some other way that doesn't risk like bioaccumulation well what you have to do with that is actually dig up all the dirt and put it in a truck and then uh what uh send it through a uh, a smelting process is that what you essentially have to do? yeah yeah so who's gonna pay for that yeah right and like i said like i said like they they expect that they expect that it won't be for another three to seven centuries before all this uh before all this like ordinance ha and all the and all the crap that is left the ordinance is left in the ground has worked its way out and the area is again safe for people to go into does this stuff work its way to the top kind of like a splinter works its way out if you leave it alone or does it work its way down i think it i think it depends on i think it depends on the biological community around it okay there are there are there are plants that are starting to grow through the area and in in fact not only the chemical ash has declined but but the plants are becoming more used to more used to like the toxins in the area and are adapting to them hmm. so but still i mean even with all that it's a real it's a really slow process and and like just because they've absorbed the stuff all that means is now there's a chance for something else to eat them and suddenly they have all the cadmium or mercury or lead in their systems, right? Arsenic. Yep. So yeah, it's like uh, quite the situation. You, you didn't. They actually, they actually like after World War II, they would they would take old ships. They would load they would load the or the unfired ordnance that they didn't want to keep around, and they'd sink the ships. They're there are places in Scandinavia where you're not allowed to fish because of that, and not because not because they're worried so much that the the fish will be tainted, but rather you trawl through there and suddenly you've pulled up an unstable bomb, and then boom, there goes your boat, or there goes the whole area, right? You're fishing with dynamite there, uh, more or less. Yeah. 
and they don't even realize it. So those areas are like no go for fishers. Hey, did you ever see that movie um, with Natalie Portman where she goes out into the that weird jungle area? Uh, it, it was called Annihilation. No, I haven't even heard of it. Yeah, it was a little known flop of a sci-fi movie uh, when it came out uh, a couple of years ago. I saw that. So it kind of reminds me of this situation where they have a kind of a no man's land. No one's been in there. There's something weird. I think they call it the shimmer in the movie. It's a sci-fi kind of thing. And so they 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 have an expedition where they're going to go out into the shimmer and they're going to see what's going on. And they don't tell the audience. There's obviously some backstory, which you don't learn. And you, you kind of learn um, through the characters discussing things through the movie. You find out more and more about what's going on. It's a, it was a good flick. But it kind of reminds me of that, especially when you're talking about the the ruined landscapes with the uh, the heavy metals and all that. You know, it's because they. But the thing is, they get out there and suddenly there's plants that start to grow weird. You know, there's something. Yeah. Cha- you know, that, that's what I was thinking about when you were talking about it. So I don't know. It was a fun because movie. that's a, that's essentially what happens when you have uh, when you have toxic soils that uh, the plants grow in. Yeah, and plus Natalie Portman was in it, so that's. Actually, the only reason I watched it, but it was still a solid, solid movie. I enjoyed it. Were there any hot grits? Um, no. Well, uh, I'm trying to think back. No, I don't think so. Probably nobody even recognizes why I asked that question either. Well, well, well. I know why. You, Do you, you know why? I'm not going to say anything. Okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> if that's our uh, the end of our show, I should yeah, probably I, hit I'm, the I'm... outro music there. Yeah, I can pass off the other stuff I want to bring up next week. I'm sure you can do the same. Yep, I got a couple of things we can... Well, I don't push things forward. That's true. <laughs> but until next time, I've been Abel Kirby. I've been Cold Acid. Adios. Adios. Don't you know everybody tell me she wasn't satisfied?